When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. They would come up to sort of like add some dirt and the makeup artist would just look at me and walk away because I was just covered in, in sweat and dirt. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to our brand new episode of Collider Ladies Night. I am beyond thrilled to welcome... Lily Rabe to the show. Lily, how are you doing? I am doing well. Thanks so much for having me. Of course. Big congratulations on Tell Me Your Secrets, which is hitting Amazon on February 19th. But I warned you up top, we talk about everything. And I like to go back to the very, very beginning. What was the first entertainment industry dream you had? Was it picturing yourself making it on stage as a movie star, maybe as a dancer, anything at all? A ballerina. It was it was to play the Sugar Plum Fairy. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I ballet was really the first uh, the first thing I did in terms of performing. I loved it. I was completely devoted to it, and um, I never played the Sugar Plum Fairy, but I did play a lot of. I did do the Nutcracker for seven years, so a lot of the other the other uh, parts. <laughs> so I was reading a little bit about. Uh, you teaching ballet, and then at that program, an acting instructor brought you a monologue. So I'm wondering if you know at that time what it was about you that made that other instructor think that you were the one to nail that monologue. That's such a great question. Yeah, I was teaching at a local place. It was like an art studio, and I was teaching uh, ballet class, ballet and tap, which <laughs> was I was much more versed in ballet than tap, but I was able to pick up some some shuffle steps and. Uh, enough to to teach the little girls a, a bit of tap. Um, and then they were having a sort of, and they had older kids um, who were more my age. I was like 15 at the time, I think, and 15, 16. And so there was a, a these this group of students who would come in at the end of the day, sort of when I was done teaching, who were my age, and they were doing all these monologues. And I sort of was hanging around. Um, and I think, I think the acting teacher just I read something on my face that there was some kind of longing maybe that I had. And he very, it was very subtle though, because I was like, Oh no, I'm not, I, I'm, I'm a dancer. I'm not an actor. I'm here to dance and teach. And, 
so he really just left it for me on the desk um, with like a note. And it was uh, a monologue from Crimes of the Heart. And I ended up performing it in the end of the year performance, which, you know, had like the young kids and the older kids. And, um, and it's actually a play that I ended up doing ultimately both at Williamstown and then at the roundabout Kathleen Turner directed and did with Sarah Paulson, who's now my dear and wonderful friend. It was the second play we did together. Um, but yeah, so full circle. So now taking it to the next step, what inspired you to choose to study acting in college? Because I know everyone has a different path for some formally studying the craft is the best way to go. Others like to, I don't know, maybe study something else and just jump yeah. into it professionally. So why was that formal formal training important to you? Where I went to school was actually, because I was probably somewhere right between what you're saying. I, I wanted to study it once I sort of had... I think the truth is I always wanted to do it, but I was kind of burying it. And I was so focused on dance. And because uh, there was acting in my family, I really felt like, oh, I want to have this other path and do something that feels entirely um, my own. But I do think it was all sort of my roundabout way to get me to acting. Um, I also loved writing in school and I, I wanted to have a double major or a major minor with, with creative writing, with English. And Northwestern was very unique in that way where... Um, you have, they have such an incredible theater school and theater program, but it's within the liberal arts college. So I was, it was not a conservatory program, but it was a very intensive program. And for me, it was the best of both worlds because I, I really did want to keep studying everything. And I really loved school. Um, so I was, it was the perfect place for me to sort of dive into acting every day and really uh, and, and get a lot of training and then also still be able to take all of the classes that I wanted to take in college. And something that Northwestern also had between student productions and faculty, you know, all, all of the productions that they had, I think it was called the main stage, which yeah, versus like all of the student productions, something like 50, I'm going to say maybe, was it 50 shows a semester or 50 shows? A, it was so many, maybe 50 shows a year. Regardless, I did so many plays. I was playing Annie in the real thing, you know, at an age where I was totally not old enough to be playing Annie in the real thing. But I think the big part of the education was also just doing play after play after play in school, whether it was in a tiny underground black box theater or on the main stage or however it was. They don't have grad student actors at Northwestern. So as an undergrad, you got to play all the great parts. Um, you weren't sort of competing. With, there were grad directors and grad, you know, grad designers, but there were no grad actors. So, so we we got a shot at at, at all the, the the juicy roles. Correct me if I'm wrong on any of this, but I believe you were also working while you were still in school, right? A bit. I I left uh, for for a semester. I I sort of was a I had enough credits from high school. I don't know how all that stuff worked. Where I was I was I had enough sort of built up that I was going to be able to graduate on time and go do this program uh, that was a, a screenwriting program at NYU. Um, and the truth is I had a boyfriend at the time who had also moved to New York. So it was, I had this sort of double incentive. Uh, and I want, you know, so I went to New York for a semester. I got into this screenwriting program and I think I did something like three days and was obsessed with it. And then I had done this 
audition for Mona Lisa Smile. And it was a way to get my SAG card. And actually, I mean, I was just paid scale, but it was a tremendous amount of money to me uh, at the time. And really, uh, I then saved it up and it sort of helped me when I graduated um, for sure. So I, I ended up not getting those credits and working during that time. And then I, and then I went, uh, and then I went back. Is there anything about having that kind of, uh, crossover between studying the craft and also putting it to use on a professional level like that, that you maybe found especially beneficial? Oh, Oh gosh, yes, yes. And I also was working in the summers. I would do plays. There was a, a theater company that I would go, that's where I got my equity card. Um, and yeah, I think for me, it was just, I wanted to play as many parts as I could before I was sort of out in the world uh, trying to, to really make a living. Um, and so, yeah, get, and I also think it was just great to be on a, you just learn for me so much uh, from the doing of something. And um, and that was a great set to sort of start out on. I, I don't, I, I, it was sort of, yeah, it was like, I know I got my side card doing that job, so. Well, now I have to ask more about Mona Lisa Smile. I was like weirdly obsessed with that movie when it came out too. Um, do you remember what it was like being on that set as someone who is new to the industry, especially with so many heavyweights around right. you? Did you observe them doing anything that happened to have stuck with you? It felt like it was just a great group of uh, of wonderful women and um, everyone was very generous. I stayed quite close. It was like a little pack of us. I think we each had about three lines in the movie, uh, but it was Kristen Ritter and Kristen, a lot of Kristen's, Kristen Connolly, who both have, you know, I've, I've worked with Kristen a few times since then. And so that there, I think there were four or five of us and it did feel like this little pack of us where we probably spoke a total of 20 lines between the five of us, but it was just a great experience. And you felt just like a, a part of the, the fabric of the film and um, all of those wonderful actresses playing all the other the other parts, you know, I've now crossed paths with and uh, worked with. And um, so, yeah, it was a great start. But I still was, uh, you know, at, at the time I was very focused on getting back to school. There was no part of me that was like, OK, after this, I'm going to stay in audition. I really wanted to to get back to Northwestern. And, and um, I still have this recurring nightmare now that I there they tell me I, I I haven't I haven't I don't have enough uh credits to graduate it's a real like walking out without your clothes on recurring dream I don't know but I still have that dream so I really was I remember counting the credits and really like okay I'm, I am going to graduate on time if I do this if I take this time off um and for whatever reason when you go to theater when you get a when you're a theater major at Northwestern you end up getting a bachelor of science um and I was never very good at science but I do have a bachelor of science in theater Oh, that's kind of cool. It also was really cool to hear about uh, the little group you had formed on that set, especially knowing what you all wound up going on to achieve. Yeah, it really was just, I think, the beginning for all of us. I feel like it was sort of everyone's first job. I can't entirely speak, but I, it felt like that. It had that feeling. 
So early jobs, fresh out of college. And again, correct me if I have my details off here, but it does seem like most of your focus was on stage work. Was that a deliberate choice at the time or is it something that kind of naturally happened when you got out of the school environment? It was, I think it was kind of deliberate. I, I, I really felt, I felt like I wanted to learn doing theater uh, and not to say I wouldn't, and like with Mona Lisa, you know, there was that, but I really wanted to, I wanted to live in New York. I wanted to do plays. It's, it's um, that for, you know, for a time, it just felt like where I wanted to start. And I was so lucky to be able to start that way. Um, so, yeah. And, and certainly the focus at Northwestern was all theater. You know, it wasn't, I don't, yeah, we sort of, film and it was like that was this, this sort of an aside it was all about it was all about the theater I'm a New Yorker so even just wanting to be in that city makes a whole lot of sense to me right that's a big that's a big part of it and, and the and the culture of the theater and it's something that I ache for now because you know when people sort of say what do you <laughs> what do you do in your free time go to the theater go to TKTS and see what we can you know Hamish often when we live in New York you know he'll just go and not even tell me what we're going to see and come back with tickets and then we go and that's it's just yeah I don't even have the words for how much I love that that community. I lived on 48th and uh eighth between 8th and Broadway for a while oh. and there were two theaters right next door and I would yeah. just whatever was at those theaters is what I would say I wouldn't deliberately pick something it's just whatever was playing there that is what I had to say. It's an incredible thing to be able to to do. I love that so much. I miss it a little bit. Oh. Um, so now I'm always curious to hear about uh, making the move from one medium to the other in the industry. So with all of your stage experience, all the acclaim, the awards, would you say that that helped you at all when pursuing on-screen roles? Does that come in handy at all? Sure. I think they, you know, they they really inform, they inform one another beautifully and I and there I I really even though I feel I come from the theater and that was sort of I love I love doing film and television and there is because really what it comes down to is the writing uh it's just about you know being able to have these great words in your mouth and whether you're saying them on stage or in front of a camera um there's such great writing in in of course in film, but really television has just, as we all know, the, it couldn't be at a higher level in terms of the material and, and what's there for actors. So uh, I, I hope that I never have to choose. I'm, right now, of course, the theater is um, on, I'm gonna try not to cry, but yeah. But, but, but they're all in my heart in, in, in such, uh, in such equal ways. And I, and I love going from one, one to another. I feel like it keeps, um, I don't know. It, it feels like it keeps, uh, it keeps me awake in a wonderful way. For what it's worth, I am a big believer that the longing that we're experiencing right now for theater is going to mean a big, big boom when it is safe to go back. I feel yeah. like there is going to be that insatiable desire to see as much as possible. So I'm I'm staying hopeful and holding tight to that idea right I now. Like and I'm with you. So on this show, I always like to touch on some bumps in the road along the way, because I really do think hearing about someone that someone out there might admire overcoming one could help them. So 
for you, I was reading up about uh, Last of the Ninth and the idea of, you know, booking a big role on an HBO show and then it doesn't get picked up for the series order. So what did you do at that time in order to, I guess, not get bummed out by something like that and just keep your focus on forging forward? I was gutted. I was, and, and, you know, I, that was such a remarkable experience because working with David Milch to this day is something that I will always treasure. It was so amazing and sort of formative and life-changing to work with him. And it really was one of those, uh, one of, and I, it was one of those things, like, as we were shooting it, there was never a, if this gets picked up or there was just like, it's HBO, it's David Milch, it's blah, 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 blah. like when we go to see, this is going to happen. And, and, and I hadn't, I don't know that I'd ever done a pilot. You may know better than me, but I don't think I'd ever done a pilot, honestly. I think that may have been my first pilot. Um, so I, it, it, it was, you know, I, I didn't have any kind of cynicism of, uh, well, there's a chance that this won't. I was just like, oh yes. And then this will happen and this will happen. And I, it was such an incredible part. I, you know, took place in the seventies and I played this plain clothes uh, narcotics officer based on on two real women sort of combined into one. And we were, I was running around with these uh, going undercover with Milch. And it was like an unbelievably great experience and Ray Winstone and it was amazing and I I loved the part and and knowing where she was going to go was so I remember I was on vacation and I couldn't really afford I was like I remember like oh I'm gonna but when this show goes to series and so we had taken this vacation a different boyfriend at the time and um we were there and I remember getting David's phone call and he was apologizing and he sounded so heartbroken and so shocked. And, and I, there is no sort of, I was, uh, you know, I, I, of course you rally and you, but it was an absolute heartbreak and a real shock. And it unfortunately made me a bit more cynical about, um, you know, until anything is a sure thing, it's really not. And even now, even when I get a job and it's happening, it's really not until I'm driving to set on the first day that I drop my shoulders, you know, because, uh, you know, and, and trust that something isn't going to happen and the financing or the thing isn't going to fall apart. And then, uh, so it was probably a good lesson in that way, but it was a, it was a definitely, a, it was a hard one. And also because I just, uh, the, I, I never got to really play that part. I just got to play her for a second and I would have loved to play her, so. I do love that we can follow up talking about that with talking about American Horror Story. So with that mentality, when you jump into season one of American Horror Story, what were your expectations of that? When did it click that this was gonna be like an epic empire? I never know. I, I, my brain doesn't really work in that way of thinking, oh, this is going to be a hit. This is the thing. It's really like, I want to play her. I want to work with that person, you know, and, and like David Milch and then certainly like Brian Murphy, who has changed my life and continues to change my life every single day in so many ways. Um, but I was do, at the time doing a play. I was doing a play at Williamstown. I was doing a doll's house with Sam Gold and Ryan called me and said, I've written this arc on my new show, American Horror Story. She's called Nora. And it was wild because I was playing Nora. And he, I, do, I don't think he knew that at the time. So it was just like, he's some kind of seer, uh, which he is. 
Um, and I, I was going straight from Doll's House into Seminar, which was a play I did on Broadway with, with Hamish Linklater, he's in the other room, <laughs> and, um, and Alan Rickman, and uh, a wonder, Hedy and Park, and Jerry O'Connell. And it was um, also with Sam Gold directing. And um, I was like, Brian, of course I want to do this, but I'm, I'm, I'm about to go into rehearsals for this play. And he said, well, when is your day off? And I said, well, once we start performances, we, we only have Mondays. We, and he said, oh, that's fine. And I was like, but, but it's in New York and you're in LA. He said, yeah, that's fine. I'll figure it out. And I, so playing Nora on American Horror Story, I would do my matinee in seminar. They would have a car outside the theater, I'd get in the car, go to the airport, fly to LA, sleep for a few hours, go to set, shoot all of my Nora stuff that they could in one day. And then on Monday night, go and take the red eye back to New York and be back on stage Tuesday. And then that three, it was originally going to be, I think three episodes. And then I think Nora ended up, this is going to be wrong, but like in nine episodes or something, and they just kept doing it. And no one else on the planet could figure something out like that, but Ryan did. And, um, so that was my, that was my first experience of, 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 of being a part of the show. And then for season two, he said, now for this one, I, I need you to stay in LA. Is that okay? And I said, yes, of course. Absolutely. That's okay. Yeah, that one's so, a heavy role. I can understand that. So, but that was the sort of, uh, and then it's just been, you know, it's just, that show is such a gift. Um, going into just the idea of doing that, like craziness of going back and forth. I imagine that was, that was very taxing and exhausting, but what would you say could be a, a pro of operating like that? Is there any benefit? Yes. I think, uh, I think that, kind of, the, the roles that I was playing because I loved both of them so much were so energizing. They really felt like nourishment. So even though I was probably very depleted in terms of sleep, I actually felt very well nourished because I loved my work so much. And, um, and so I really mean that, like I, I could feel it sort of in my veins that I was getting like vitamin infusions from the roles that I was playing. And, um, and I also think there is something to when you are wildly busy and probably a bit exhausted, uh, creatively, I find that wonderful things can come out of that. I'm not recommending that people, you know, don't take care of themselves and don't sleep <laughs> by any stretch, especially now as a mother, I'm like sleep and eat and all those things. But, and I am someone who worries about things, but there was no time for that. So I had no choice, but to be incredibly present uh, in both, in everything I was doing. And I think that was of great value. And, and there is something, something to that, even if it's not sustainable, maybe like for, you know, but that sounds a little like uh, like our film festival grind being sure, on right. the ground and just covering as much as possible without sleeping. And, and I, I thrive. I thrive in that zone. And then when it's done, do you sleep for a week? And then I come home and crash. I sleep uh, unusually long hours for like three weeks after that. Yes, I so I'm not let, I'm not letting you leave the American Horror Story topic without one attempt at a season 10 tease. <laughs> I don't know what what is. I know you probably can't talk about it much at all, but what is something that you might get to do in American Horror Story season 10 that you've never had the chance to do on that show before? Gosh, I can say that the person I'm playing on this on this season is is nothing like anyone I've 
played on the show before and I am having such a wonderful time with her and, and uh, with my fellow actors. And um, I love this season. I love this season. I, I, I think new fans of the show will love this season, but I really, the, the longtime fans of the show, I just can't wait to share this season with them. Um, yeah, there's something, there's something about it. It's really, I, there's, I wish I could say more, but I, I really love, I wish I, yeah, I, I just. I've been playing this game for nine <laughs> seasons now. That was a very uh, respectable response right there. <laughs> All right. Before we creep into Tell Me Your Secrets, I did want to ask you a Hunger Games question because I'm also oh, yeah. obsessed with that franchise, but I'm really curious to know what it's like making the decision to do one project versus another? What, what are some of the prime factors that you have to consider when making a big choice like that? I'm so happy to talk about this. I, I was asked about that recently because um, I, I think there was some stuff out at the time that was really not the, kind of accurate about, it, it was actually quite, it was so simple what happened, which was that uh, I was doing Much Ado About Nothing in the Park with Hamish. I think we had been planning it for however long, talking about it for probably a few years. Uh, and then it was happening and it was set. And when I was cast in The Hunger Games, the dates worked with, with Much Ado. Um, I think I was gonna shoot it before we started rehearsal. And for reasons that I can no longer remember that had no, absolutely nothing to do with me, but just to do with production, the dates, pushed on Hunger Games and they pushed a, a few times. So at first we were still fine, then we were still fine. And then they pushed to the point where uh, it wasn't even during our rehearsal period, it was actually during our performance period and the park schedule, there are so few performances. They're so precious. It's why when it rains, we wait and we wait and we wait and we go on until you know the lightning is shutting it because we will do it in the rain. You just do not want to miss a single one of those performances they're so precious and the rehearsal period is quite short too so the whole thing is really short and there are no understudies and even if I had had an understudy you, you just don't want to give one up but there aren't any and um and it just got to the point where there was no way for me to uh to do the Hunger Games and it wasn't even really a, a, a battle it was just oh this no longer works out and I have made this commitment to do much ado and and the Hunger Game side, they were all completely aware of it. And so they so understood my choice and were so supportive. Um, so there was really no drama. It was the only sad thing was that I couldn't do both, but it wasn't uh, it wasn't a sort of, oh, which one do I do? Because one had been my prior commitment and um, and everyone was totally aware of that. So it uh it was unfortunate but it ended up you know as i i suppose you know i um i don't know i've never really it just was what it was and when i couldn't do both i couldn't do both and uh makes not. sense <laughs> makes sense i respect that choice but i did, i remember reading something like there's no who would ever do you how do you choose doing a plus no you know and i was like well but that was my uh i you know it was my commitment and and it was in my heart to play to play Beatrice with, uh, with Hamish and, um, and my God, I would have loved to, to be a part of the Hunger Games. I too am such a fan, um, but yeah. 
while I was disappointed you didn't take that, end up getting to take that role in the Hunger Games, I feel like one of the biggest compliments ever is having to drop out of a project like that and then having Gwendolyn Christie of all people take that role. She's incredible. That's so flattering to you too because she's wonderful, you're wonderful. She's so wonderful and amazing. And I I love the, you know, I'm so it, everything, you know, it was all fine. It all works out. So tell me your secrets now. We've kind of touched on this already in this conversation, but I think it's fair to say you have a lot of variety on your resume. You've done a little bit of everything, but what is a unique challenge that this show posed that you were excited to tackle for the very first time? My character, Emma, we experience her both in the present and in the past. It was almost like getting to play two parts with one soul, two women with one soul. And I had never been able to do that. And physically, uh, she's completely different, sort of, we can, let's say the before and the after. And uh, her spirit is completely different because of what she's been through and because of what she has to do in the present. And so being able to to do that and really um, sort of track, track that through through the 10 episodes was such a wonderful opportunity. I, I loved it. It was so creative and um, wonderfully challenging. And, um, and to, and because, it, you know, she, she, while she is absolutely trying to redefine herself and leave her past behind, of course, there are things that no matter how much we may want to reinvent ourselves or to, start again or have a second chance your soul is your soul um and so carrying that and sort of navigating that balance was such a wonderful uh was such a wonderful thing to get to do as an as an actor and I love physical transformation as well uh maybe that does come from the theater I don't know but um I love that part of it too and and so being able to do that in a in a in a show like this and with someone like Harriet Warner was really something that feels very specific to this experience. How many scripts did you get before jumping into episode one? Did you get them all up front and know her from journey? I did not get them all. They were not, they didn't exist. Uh, uh, They weren't all written when we started. And listen, I had just had a baby. I wasn't really looking for a job that would take me away from home. I was, things were very cozy. (laughs) Um, And I read it. I loved it. I found her voice so unique and the sort of lens through which she was telling the story so uh, specific and uh, evocative. And um, and I loved the part, but I still was like, I, I just don't know if I can. Uh, and then I met with her um, and we sat down at some cafe in like Larchmont, uh, I feel like I'm t- just sitting at a cafe in Larchmont feels like, a, in, you know, in another lifetime. Yep. Um, and I remember texting Hamish under the table. I think Harriet got up to, I don't know what, for, for a second from the table. And I, we had only been speaking for maybe 10 minutes and I wrote, you know, a lot of expletives. I don't know if I could say it, but anyway. Oh, fuck. Sure, you can say it on this chat. Yeah. <laughs> oh, fuck, 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 fuck. I'm going to do this job. I'm going to have to do this job. Um, it's probably more than fuck. I'm very creative with my experts. But uh, I knew I knew instantly in talking to her that I had to work with her and that I couldn't walk away from it. And so that's what that's what happened. 
I want you to be able to talk freely about some of this so badly. So I'm going to put in one more kind of silly non-spoiler question, but yeah. is this the sweatiest show you've ever made? <laughs> so I've made some sweaty shows, uh, you know, uh, Coven was horror story around. We were definitely there in July, August. And uh, we, we started in June um, in New Orleans, one of my favorite places on earth. The thing that is so great. So yes, the answer is probably, the answer is yes. The sweatiest show I've ever done. But the thing that I love so much about shooting in a place like that, uh, where you get to, the, the place is, is a character on the show. It's your scene partner. And so even though you're, a, you know, sweating in a way that you have pores you didn't even know you had, there's no one coming in to sort of powder you because that's where she was. That is where Emma is. She's in that heat. So it was like more of it. Um, and sort of, you know, I remember there were times like they would come up to sort of like add some dirt to, and, and the makeup artist would just look at me and walk away because I was just covered in, in sweat and dirt. And, uh, but I love that. I, I, I love being able to lean into the, the, the place where you are. Um, and, and New Orleans, you know, this, that part of, of the country is, is, it's so, it's so alive and um, you want, you want it, you sort of want it all over you. And so it was, I love that part of, part of it. I think it would have been really hard if we'd been shooting there and sort of pretending we were in, I don't know, Paris. <laughs> Understandable there. All right, I'm doing it now. I'm putting up the spoiler warning for Tell Me Your Secrets. Again, it comes out the whole season. You can watch it on Amazon on the 19th. All you got to do is pause this video, go watch it, and then come back and press play, and it'll start right here. It's that easy. So given that you were getting scripts one at a time, what was it like with both you and Hamish being on the show, did did you have a situation where you guys couldn't talk about it because your character had no idea what his was going through? That's such a great question. I think before we were shooting, I had read quite a few more, but definitely there were scripts that we were getting while we were shooting, but we were in such lockstep with Harriet that, uh, you know, I was never turning the page and like, what? That it was, <laughs> um, but, I think the truth is we knew, so I can say now, spo this is spoiler, oh, spoiler yeah, time. Um, we knew we would end up getting to be together. We just didn't know exactly when. And, uh, and we love, I, I can, I love acting with him so much. And, uh, so I just couldn't wait to get to the script where, I was going to turn the page and see that we were finally together, um, no matter how uh, how brutal the circumstances um, might be, because, you know, that's the show we were making. And when it makes me have that feeling of terror about, you know, doing something that usually makes me f feel also very excited to do it, um, I don't I don't sort of feel that I'm drawn towards being particularly comfortable not to say I don't love uh I, I don't love doing shows where good things are happening to people but uh because I love that too but but you know I I uh if you're gonna if you're gonna get out of bed and leave your kids and uh I I want it to 
I want it to feel um, challenging and and like unlike anything I've done before. And so, yeah, I I I, I know it's I'm not really answering your question, but. We, we would talk, you know, and we also would, I think we were without saying, let's have a lot of boundaries about this. There were things that we didn't talk about. I think we just had, we're, we're, um, we've worked together so many times that there is a, there is a kind of dialogue that we have that is very different than, you know, in the way we are as a couple or as co-parents. Uh, and, and, and we can be quite boundaried when we know that it will serve the work and uh, and not overshare, not and and withhold quite a bit, and so, you know, there wasn't. We weren't like coming to set to see what the other person was doing, leading up, or who who, so that we did kind of meet these characters as they would have met. Uh, it wasn't like I was. Um, we weren't running lines with one another in the way that we might have if if one of us was working and the other one wasn't. So there was a bit of. Um, we were kind of keeping keeping character secrets from one another. I love that you guys could share that passion together, though. That's so cool to me. Um, I got great. two more spoiler questions for you. Uh, I don't know if this is something you had the heads up on earlier or you discovered it in the script as you read along, but what was your reaction to the big reveal of what Teresa really did? Uh, did it kind of, uh, was there a before and after in terms of how you viewed Karen after getting that information? Listen, the thing about Karen to me that I love is that she is wide open and she is someone who sees the good in people. And I think we so often when people are trusting of others, we like to say that they're overly trusting or that they're in some ways, um, that there's a lack of intelligence in being trusting, that tr being trusting means you're gullible. I just wholeheartedly disagree. I think it's such a beautiful thing to innately believe that people are good and to, to sort of lead with love. And um, that's, that's who she is. That's how she ends up in, in a lot of these relationships and in the situation she does. So, I never judged her for a second. I never thought, oh, how could you not have, how, what, you know, I, it was such a painful pleasure to get to play someone who is so guileless in that way and so um, optimistic about people, which is so completely on the opposite side of the spectrum from, from where um, Emma ends up in terms of being afraid of everyone really and trusting no one, including herself. So uh, even though it, it led her into some, <laughs> into some uh, uh, unlucky to say the least situations and relationships, I don't, I don't blame her for it. I don't think anyone should ever be blamed for, for loving someone, for believing someone is good um, when they don't have all the information and, it's different, I guess, if, you know, if she had known and was still saying, I will make these choices, that would be a different story, but that wasn't the case. I, I appreciate that. And I do, I do think that uh, that comes through in the performance quite well. 
I have to let you go. This was such a pleasure. I could talk about your body of work in this show all day long. If anyone's still with us, I don't need to plug the show again because you've watched it already, but don't forget (laughs) to tell your family and friends, tell me your secrets on Amazon on the 19th. Check it out, binge the whole thing, and then tell us about it in the comments below. Lily, thank you so much for hanging out with us today. I appreciate it. Thank you, it's such a pleasure to talk to you. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.